Good Tuesday evening. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air once again by the will of y'all. And me and Phil will be back with you in just a moment or two. Welcome all who are listening live and those that will be listening in the future. Good Tuesday evening. Phil is here with me. And Phil, how was your day today? How are you doing? Once again, another good day. And again, it's it's sincere. It's not just saying it's a good day because I truly, with faith, the faith that I have, and just trusting God with the contentment that I have. Every day is a good day, even if something doesn't go exactly the way you uh, had it planned or something comes up and a struggle's there. It really doesn't matter because this is, uh, it's all good. It's all a blessing. And I choose to receive it that way. Well, we recently just talked about that, that godliness with contentment is great gain. And if you don't have godliness, you don't have true contentment. You have a pretend contentment because you just think everything is fine. But until you come to the realization and you know that you have the fullness of faith in Yah, then that's where you can have contentment because you cannot have comfort without contentment. Because I thought of the scripture a couple of days ago in Corinthians where it says that Yah is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our trials so that we can comfort other people. Well, how can you understand what being comfortable is if you're not content? That's the thing is that if you find a place of contentment, that means that you really are in a place of comfort, which means it doesn't matter what happens to me because no matter what happens, it's all a blessing anyway. So I have a comfort in that contentment. This evening, this came to mind this afternoon, had a few things on my mind and, settled in with this one. And we had talked about this on a previous podcast and there's times where we'll revisit many of the concepts, the truth of Yah, because it's a circular aspect that we don't come to an end and say, all right, we've learned everything we can on contentment. We've learned everything we can on faith or repentance or obedience. No, it's, it's a continual learning and digging deeper. And this is another one of those aspects as well. And I actually had a concept that came to my mind earlier this afternoon. And, and I, actually this came to mind later on when it just, y'all brought it to my attention. I was thinking about the scripture where it says, be careful when you make a vow to Yah, because they will surely demand it of you. And the word of God doesn't say that we don't make vows. It just says, be careful when you make a vow to not only Yah, but especially Yah, because what you're doing when you make a vow is you're making a promise to somebody. You're telling them 
that I'm promising to do this thing, no matter what you say, you could say, you can make a vow for, I'll call you on the phone at two o'clock or I'm going to go on a trip or whatever it is. It just means that a vow is a, is a promise to somebody or an organization or whatever it would be. And what came to mind was, is it's a very serious matter to make a vow. And again, it's not that we don't make vows, but when we promise something to somebody, if we want to be trustworthy, we have to be able to be trusted. So if we make a promise to somebody, we need to do one, the goal is to fulfill it and not make excuses for if you do it, don't do it. And really more for if you don't do it. But what came to mind was, is that when you promise something to somebody, then you entitle them to whatever you've promised them. So if I make a promise to you, Phil, and say, I'm going to be at your house at two o'clock, we're going to go out to see a movie and, and go out to eat. And you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm counting on you being there. And I don't show up at two o'clock and I get there at two ten, and, oh, well, you understand it's okay. And you say, no, you told me two o'clock and why aren't you here? Uh, I'm in, I'm entitled to an explanation because you're the one that promised me. I didn't promise anything. You promised me. So why weren't you here? Well, in our humanness, well, you know what? I left late. I left. I didn't get uh, from home when I wanted to. Something came up. It's my mistake. For example, will you forgive me? Yes. All right. We'll, we'll go. But with God, whatever promise God makes, God will fulfill it. And they'll fulfill it in the time frame that they say, if they necessarily they'll, if they say, for example, I would do this in 10 years, I would do this in whatever time they will do it. So what y'all wants us to know is, is that if you make a promise to them that they'll demand it of you, not because, well, I'm just going to do this because I'm going to demand it. Know that you made the promise. So how about this? Instead of making a lot of vows, just do what is right. Like Messiah said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. So this came to mind that in regards to a vow that you make a solemn promise to somebody that makes sure that your mindset is you're going to fulfill it to the best of your ability. You're not going to be perfect. And it. it's not about being perfected, but it's about keeping your word. And we had talked about this recently in our gathering about if you want somebody to trust you, then you have to be proven trustworthy. Well, if you make a promise and you don't keep it, then you break trust. Well, uh, yeah, I said I was going to be there too, but it's just two ten. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because you promised me and I had faith. I had hope in you for you to fulfill that and you didn't do it. So well, next time I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to assume you're going to be late. And then the person would say, well, no, don't do that. Let me, let me make it up to you. Okay. Well, the way to make it up to me is if in the future, when you say you're going to do something that you say you, you do what you're going to do. And, and again, this isn't saying that you're perfected in it to where, but you do the best of your ability that you can, because that's how you gain trust. That's how you build trustworthiness with somebody is that when you make a promise and you fulfill it, Jessam. Just real quick. Yeah. It, uh, this all came to mind just like the parable of the 10 virgins that if you're late, you're late. If, if the time for you to be somewhere is set, if you're one second late, you're late. And 
people would be like, well, God's not going to, they're not going to hold you to one second. Yes, they are. Because what they, they want to see is your willingness to be obedient to them, that you're going to actually be there early so that there's not a chance of you being late and missing out. And that's the parable of the 10 virgins where it doesn't matter if, if those other virgins showed up like right at the, the moment that door shut, the door shut. It, he's not, Messiah is not opening that door again. And so it's, we correlate that to the moment you die, the, the, the moment you die, then you're set. Either you were prepared and you had what you needed from to be with Messiah or you didn't. And there's no changing that. And that's the, the thing about it is with what you're talking about, about making promises. If you say it, then do it. If you don't have the intention of doing it or you don't figure out if you can or not, then don't say it. Because again, if it was 2.05, if the promise was I'll be there at two o'clock, then, well, I should be there at five minutes till so that I'm not late. So I'm going to make sure that I do everything. Otherwise, they say, look, Sean, I'm going to come pick you up between 2 and 2.30. You come at 2.10, no big deal. You come at 2 and you come at 2.30, no big deal. But you come at 2.30 and 30 seconds, you're not in the time frame. And this, unfortunately, we, we live in a world where people don't think that God's going to hold to the strict concept of the law. Why do you think we can't uphold the law? Because God is, you have to follow it exactly to the letter of the law in order for you to be righteous by the law. And God's not going to let nor did he let anybody get away with that. And so that was just the thing that came to mind was with the 10 virgins. Once they were late, they were late. There was no opening the door again. The door was shut. It's sealed. It's done. It would be just like Noah's Ark and somebody having the opportunity to get in Noah's Ark. Well, once that door was lifted and sealed, nobody else is entering in. Absolutely nobody. No, no more animals, nothing. It's done. And so make sure that it's done ahead of time. Make sure that you're early. Don't we had a, a vocabulary lesson when we talked about don't delay. And it's key factor, especially in this day and age, because the more you delay in getting your faith right with God, the less of a chance there is that you're going to find it because your programming is so strong. You have to be steadfast, and adamant that this is what I'm going to do. Well, just think about this. Let's just say your house here, that you hear about a, a record amount of break-ins in the area, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't need to lock my doors because I haven't seen anybody in the area and nobody's going to break in. And, and as Yah says in their word, that Messiah comes like a thief in the night, meaning that death comes when you don't expect it. And what happens is if you're not prepared, like if you, you don't go to the door, and you latch the the chain and you do the deadbolt and you're sitting there watching and oh, all right, here they come, but they're not going to come in because I'm ready. I'm watching. 
but you get relaxed and you think, well, nobody's really coming this area. It'll be okay. And you're just in your room and all of a sudden the door gets kicked in and not one second after you could have locked that door. Now nah, I don't need to lock it. I'll just, it's okay. And the door gets kicked in and then now you're tied up and bound and they kill you and it's over with. Why didn't I take the time to just lock the door? Why didn't I pay attention? And that's the thing with faith is pay attention. Today is the day of salvation, meaning that if it's coming to mind to seek, start seeking with all your heart, set your mind that you're going to seek with all your heart and never turn back because you don't know when you have your last breath, your last moment and death comes quickly. And then just like you said with the 10 virgins and Messiah coming like a thief in the night that you don't know when the thief is coming. So be prepared ahead of time, get a security system, get your doors locked, get a guard dog, whatever you have, because all right, I'm prepared because they said that nobody's going to be able to come into your house unless you're not prepared. If you're prepared, then no, you're not going to, you're going to be waiting there for the thief. But this concept of a promise, and we had talked about this before with entitlement, that people think that they're entitled to something. Well, I'm entitled to heaven and I'm, no, you're entitled to hell. And it's by the grace of God that you can be set free from that destination and not be predestined for hell anymore, but predestined for heaven by being in Messiah. And the entitlement is on the one that owns the entitlement is the giver. So for example, I go to work, I'm entitled to whatever I agreed to because that's the terms of the contract. And that's the thing with Yah that what you're entitled to is struggling, suffering, but that's what you're entitled to because that's what you agreed to, to follow this faith in God. And where this was getting to in regards to the promise and the vow was the aspect of this. We had talked about baptism in detail in one of the podcasts a while back. And I had this scripture come to mind and Phil, you can answer this from your experience when you were in the old way, when we were in uh, Christianity, when baptism was talked about, did you ever have anybody talk about or teach on a pledge of a good conscience? No. Had you ever heard of it? Well, had I ever heard of it? Well, when I started digging into the word and seeing that Christianity wasn't lining up with it, then I read that in the word, but generally it wasn't something taught about you know, what is the pledge of a good conscience and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, generally no, uh, that's not something, it is something that I came across and was a part of my faith journey as well. But, and yeah, and just being kind of funny, I wasn't doing this to make you keep moving the microphone to say no every single time. But reason this came to mind was, is that when I saw the word pledge, because a pledge is a vow. And I remember this when I was years ago, Growing up, me and my dad really enjoyed bicycle riding, and we had a tour that we would do in the summertime for a few years, and they had a pledge sheet. And the goal of it was to raise $150. It was called the MS, the Multiple Sclerosis 150 bicycle race, which what we did was it was 75 miles per day for two days. And what would happen is they had a pledge sheet that you had to raise $150 to enter it. And really what you could do is if you wanted to, you could just write a check for 150 They just needed to know that you would have that money or you would collect that money. And at that time, what would happen is my dad was helping me. He would take the sheet around and say, are you willing to pledge $5? And people would do it or they would give 15 or 20 or whatever the amount was. And what would happen is, is he would go to people. And once we, we needed the money, Hey, you pledge $5. I need the $5. 
And from what I remember, I don't think everybody had the money at the time. I was like, well, you pledged $5. Why don't you have it? Well, I just, I don't have it with me this week. I, yeah, but we told you that we needed the $5 by this date. Why didn't you give it to me? You're the one that pledged. So if you weren't going to give it to me, then don't pledge it. And it's the same thing with the vow that the, the expectation is that whatever you promise, it will be demanded because what happens is when you promise something to somebody, they are entitled to what you have promised. And that's why be careful when you make a promise, because you're going to have somebody coming to you and saying, look, why didn't you give me what you promised? Are you fair and just? Because if you were fair and just with me, then you would do what you said you were going to do. And the thing is with Yah is that if there's something in faith that's not being fulfilled on our side, it's not Yah. Yah is not the one that's not fulfilling their side. If you want the promise that Yah has given, then you fulfill the stipulation and Yah will give the promise. There's never going to be a time where Yah will not give to that person what they have promised if they fulfill the stipulation the way they said. And I'll give an example. This came to mind. If somebody by God, like God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So in order for Yah to hear from heaven and heal their land, you have to be called by God, humble yourself, pray, seek their face, turn from their wicked ways. If you don't do any of those things, well, I don't understand why Yah's not healing my land. Well, have you turned from your wicked ways? Well, I thought I did. Well, then go back and evaluate. Or, and what's coming to mind is that is that what Yah says they will do, they will do. And a lot of times what will happen is, is people will get frustrated at Yah and point the finger at them and say, well, why aren't you doing what your promise is? Well, I'm not able to yet because you haven't fulfilled the stipulation. And the way this came to mind was, was with the pledge of a good conscience. Baptism, and we talked about baptism, that baptism is a means to dip or an immersion in something. Well, I looked at the scripture and it's in Peter, and it says this. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience towards God. Okay? And after that, it says, It, which is the pledge of a good conscience, saves you through the resurrection of Messiah from the dead. Okay? You must be baptized in order to be saved. But the baptism means your full immersion into the faith of God, meaning your pledge with good knowledge, your pledge of repentance, your pledge of obedience, and your pledge of trust. The one baptism. That's But the key is in this is that it is a vow with good knowledge. Conscience, which means with is con is with and science. We've heard about science. You have science class. Well, science means knowledge. What we are called to do here at the podcast is to present the truth of God, to impart information so that people can have knowledge of the truth, but to take that information and not believe it because we say it, but believe it because the word of God says this. I I heard what they said and I went to the word and the word of God says this. And because the word says it, that's what I'm going to do. 
When Yah says, circumcise your hearts and be stiff-necked no longer, he's referring to the pledge with good knowledge that in your mind, you pledge with good knowledge, repentance to God, to Abba. You're brought to Messiah. You continue that pledge that I'm going to be obedient to God. You continue that pledge with trust in mother, circumcision of the heart. But the key is that one of the key things that stood out to me was, is that it's, you have to have the knowledge of God to, in order to make a pledge with good knowledge, not a pledge with what you think it is, not a pledge in what somebody has taught you, but a pledge to God. And that's why Messiah made it clear that count the cost of this faith, because don't make a pledge to God if you don't understand what you're making a pledge with. People will make a pledge, except Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you think you're going to be saved because, well, yeah, I know I'll be saved, but what God wants us to do is the aspect of this is full immersion, and that's what the baptism is, is to be fully immersed, pledging your life to God, never leaving that. Now, the outward symbol of that is being immersed in the water, and you come out of the water because physically, if you stay underwater, you're going to drown. But it's given an aspect of it's the outward sign of you immersing yourself in the fullness of God, in the fullness of Abba, in repentance, in the fullness of Messiah, in obedience, in the fullness of trust, in mother, where you have the fullness of deity in bodily form, and you don't ever leave that immersion. You stay in it. And, But people aren't going to be able to do that if they don't have the knowledge of the gospel message and understand how it works. And we've been breaking this down at times. And here most recently we talked about, we're talking about repentance, that if you don't have the knowledge of what the gospel message is, then in essence, you would have a false baptism or a baptism that's a pretend baptism because you're not immersing yourself in the truth of God. Now you might be immersing yourself in lies, but you're not immersing yourself in the actual fullness of it. And that's why it's so important to follow the instructions of the gospel message that it starts with a baptism of repentance. It's an immersion into repentance. It's an immersion into obedience and into trust where you have the one baptism, the fullness of faith. But it's so interesting that it it lays it out and says, without Messiah's sacrifice, then our immersion, our pledge with good knowledge would mean nothing because it says we do our part we pledge with good knowledge. And because Messiah has been raised from the dead, now he had the same pledge of a good conscience as well, because he's our example. Here I am, I've come to do your will, O God. You know, he made that good confession. Following his example, he laid the foundation because it says the pledge of a good conscience saves you through Messiah and his resurrection from the dead. So him being raised from the dead lays the path that we, just like him, can have the circumcision of the heart and find the fullness of faith. But we must, with good knowledge, make a solemn vow to God of full commitment. And that full commitment will be tested. Your repentance will be tested with Abba to be proven genuine before you will go to Messiah. And that obedience to God will be tested before you're moved on to Mother, where you have circumcision of the heart, where you're sealed in it where Yah sees enough to show, yes, this person, we are confident that they will not turn from this faith, and therefore we're going to give them circumcision of the heart. But if you don't have all three immersions, the one baptism, in the correct order, 
then you will not have the fullness of faith. And a lot of people, as, as the beginning of the topic of the podcast, pledge of a good conscience towards Yah. Now you can make a pledge to the enemy. Well, I, I do this, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I'm, I'm saved. And okay, well, you pledge to live a life of sin and ask for forgiveness every time you sin, and then you sin again, and you ask for forgiveness, and you sin again, you ask for forgiveness, and you live a life with a bad conscience away from Yah. And therefore, in the end, you stand before Messiah that says, no, you never found a way to get away from your lawless deeds. You didn't get away from sin, so therefore, no, I never knew you'd get away from me, get out of my sight. You didn't pledge your life to God. You were living in selfishness. You never made a commitment to God because you were never, you didn't listen to the teaching, you didn't love the truth, and therefore be saved. You wanted to believe the lies. So it's your fault that you didn't listen to the teaching. You didn't dig into the Word of God. You depended on what somebody else told you to do instead of you seeking it with all your heart. And therefore, the reason you're standing here is because of your own choice. So it's so important with the aspect of vows that you're going to make vows in your life, but the most important vow that you'll ever make, that those that are, again, we're talking to the people that are seeking with all their heart that really want to know the truth, that it's a must that you make a vow before God, but make sure before you commit, before you make any vow to God, making that pledge with good knowledge that you understand what the truth of God is. And again, you're not going to know the fullness of it, but to the best of your ability, seek after God, cry out for insight, call out for understanding so that Yah will show you the steps so that you can have what is said as good functional knowledge. And then therefore you use that functional knowledge to say, you know what, this is the way of God. This is right and good. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to do this and I'm never going to stop. All right. And then therefore you do that. You have a sacrifice that covers yours when you give your life ultimately to be crucified with Christ. So therefore the one baptism, as long as you stay immersed in it forever, will save you because when you come out on the other side, on the great white throne judgment, that you'll be sealed with mother and Messiah will say, welcome into the kingdom that you're, you're ready to go in. So this just came to mind really the aspect of vows, but just further understanding just for people to know that if you say that you've been baptized or you want to get baptized, know that being baptized in the eyes of God is not just going into the water as a physical sign. Now it is an outward sign of the inward, but what Yah is looking for is they're looking for that full commitment. They're looking for that pledge with good knowledge. And yes, if you have that on the inside with all your heart, that's what you've committed to do. It will move you to then show the outward sign when you have the opportunity. But just because you're dipped in water and you say that, yes, I'm, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and I accept him as Lord and I go into the water and I come out and now I'm a member of a church that I'm saved. No, you're not saved until the very end when you die in faith. Or if you're still here, you're caught up in the air. But the saving part, we have the hope of salvation, but just going into the water without an understanding of the purpose of going into the water. Yes, you were dipped in water, but were you immersed in the living water? Were you actually immersing yourself in repentance, obedience, and trust? Now, you could be at a point where you do go into the water because of repentance, but the ultimate focus of the baptism is the water is the outward sign of the baptism. It's the actual what's going on in the mind and ultimately into the heart, which is the the baptism. But this pledge 
with good knowledge is it's essential because the word of God talks about it, that it is what saves us, you know, without us making that full commitment to God, we're not going to be saved. So Phil, this is just good information. And especially for those who may not even have been aware that in the book of first Peter, it talks about baptism and it talks very, very clearly about this pledge of a good conscience. Right. And here's what that scripture doesn't say. It's not the cleansing of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good feeling towards God. No. Right. But that's what people are making their decisions to do this, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's based in a feeling, not in knowledge. It's dangerous to make decisions in an emotional state of mind. And somebody might say, well, that's, that's just crazy. What do you mean? I can make a decision in an emotional state of mind. Okay. How rational are you when you are angry? How rational are you when you're really frustrated? Those are feelings. You're, you're feeling angry. You're feeling frustrated. And then what happens in those situations is you say things you shouldn't have said, and you know that, and then you sit there later on thinking, if I could turn back time, and no, the share I can't, plug. I'm not going to uh, start, <laughs> start singing uh, a singing career, but no, because you, you do things in emotional states of mind that you're not cognitive to, that the emotion takes over. And so any kind of decision made an emotion, whether it's a sad emotion, a happy emotion, an angry emotion, a frustrated emotion, whatever it is, we're not to make decisions in that. The whole objective is use that. If you're feeling an emotion, use that later on when you're out of the emotion, do an evaluation. What is the appropriate thing? And with knowledge, decide what the appropriate thing is, and then act accordingly to that. Unfortunately, the objective goal is, well, we're going to get you to where you feel bad and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're really feeling guilty about what you've done, and then we want you to make a decision. Every, every eye closed and every uh, head bowed. Well, first off, if you're making a decision for Messiah, you don't care if somebody's looking at you. If you care that somebody else knows that you're making that decision, then you're not fit for the kingdom because you care too much about what man thinks and not what uh, God thinks. And if I'm doing something for God, just like David said, I will be even more undignified than this when he was dancing uh, before the Lord. I'll be even more undignified than this. You can't stop me because I'm doing this for God. And if God tells me to stop, I'll stop. Aside from that, there's nothing you can say that's going to change my mind. And so it's definitely not about a feeling, but that's the feelings are driven into people with the guilt of sin, but they're not given the, uh, the teaching and the understanding of how to get away from sin. Well, just accept him as Lord and Savior and it's done. And no, there's no good knowledge in that. Good knowledge comes from you in your, uh, in your calm state of mind, 
thinking things out, evaluating with the word of God, and then making decisions and choices based in what is true, what is right, what is fair, and what is just, aside from the emotion. And I'm not saying you can't use the emotion as an avenue for evaluation. Okay, I was angry, and why was I angry? And you dig down into your lower conscience and figure out where the selfishness is of why you were angry, and then you start to deal with that. And then when you're in a calm state of mind, no, you know what? I recognize that was wrong. I'm not going to do that. Don't make a decision not to do something in the midst of an emotional break because it's not going to stick. The, the things that are going to stick are the things that you will do in a normal, calm state of mind that you logically think about it, you logically evaluate it, and this is what I firmly decided I'm going to do. That is when you have the best opportunity to do it. And so as we look at this aspect of the pledge with good knowledge, with good understanding, Messiah, that's why he said, weigh the cost. Weigh the cost of this because it's too important for you to just, oh, in a broken state, just, oh, my gosh, just, uh, I accept you. And No, you can have that broken state and have the recognition that Messiah is greater than you and you've wronged him. Okay, have that break because you, you have to get to the point where you're completely broken, where you can't carry your cross anymore. You're going to try, but you can't carry your cross. And then that's when Messiah will step in and help you carry the cross. He won't carry it for you. He will help you carry it until you have that circumcision of the heart and then the cross is removed because you've been crucified and you no longer have to carry that cross. And so when we look at this with the aspect of a pledge, of a good conscience, just like we've talked about in the baptisms, the pledge of a good conscience comes in a threefold perspective as well, because you have a pledge of a good conscience to Abba in the, the repentance, which is that that pledge looks like something like, God, I know what I've done. I feel it and I can't make up for it, but I want to be a part of your kingdom, I believe everything that you do is right, fair, and just. Whether I understand it or not, it doesn't matter. My pledge is to follow you and do what you tell me to do. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, well, you've turned to Abba in repentance. Well, with Messiah, you have to make a, a pledge of a good knowledge to the obedience. I'm going to absolutely obey God in everything, and each step in the repentance, you'll be tested. And you'll be tested to the point where your sin will get worse to see how you're going to respond to it. Do you just, well, I can't, I just give up because I can't do this. Or no, you know what? I said, I'm going to fight this. I said, I don't agree with it. And if I have to fight it till the day I die, that's what I'm going to do. That's what a pledge of good knowledge is. Well, then you move to the obedience. I, I'm going to obey everything God tells me to do. 
absolutely, everything God tells me to do, I'm going to obey it. And then if something comes along, like the scripture of the old covenant, that, well, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do it, so I go to God and say, God, how do you want me to do this? And they say, do this, this, and this. Okay, I do that. Why? Because I've made that pledge of good knowledge that I'm going to obey them. And then you have to get to the point that you make the pledge of a good knowledge in the trust of God, that you're going to trust them no matter what, no matter the struggle, the suffering, the persecution, that somebody's beating you, they're uh, trying to kill you, doesn't matter, that I'm pledging to trust you. And we want to do that with a good conscience, which means I'm doing this knowing that I'm going to face struggles in this life, but I'm setting my heart. I, just like Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will obey. Choose, choose this day whom you will trust. And you must go through each step, and you must make that pledge of good knowledge by immersing yourself into repentance, and then immersing yourself into obedience, and immersing yourself into trust. And so you've gone into the shallow end, to the middle of the pole, and the deep end where you're out in the ocean now, you have circumcision of the heart, you have your self-contained breathing apparatus, which is the uh, mother within your heart. She's your scuba gear, so we don't ever surface out. We don't ever come back out of the living water. We continually stay in it, depending on mother, for our next breath, every single breath. And from a spiritual perspective, and it's interesting because it was mother, the spirit, who in the beginning with Adam and Eve put the breath of life in mankind. So it's mother who puts the breath of the spirit in you. And when you have the breath of the spirit, you have eternal life. And as long as you don't turn from it, then you will continue to have that eternal life. We don't have that yet because we could still, as we live in this life, blaspheme mother and turn from it. I won't, and that's the absolution of my heart is I won't. But as long as I live in the body of flesh, there's a possibility for anybody and everybody, and that's why, for me, I continually set my mind and heart and continue to... I harden that, that I'll never turn away from this faith because there's nothing, there's nothing out there and nothing ever will be out there that will compare to the true faith in God where you can live a life without sin, you can know it, you can have a clear conscience, you can be more than a conqueror and just live a a, a beautiful life continuing to perfect, having that peace that surpasses all understanding is that comes from the contentment. Contentment comes from trusting God. So you make it to that point of trusting God, then you should be finding more and more a place of contentment that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what the struggle, and I mean anything, it doesn't matter because I trust God. My objective goal is to make sure I continue to trust God. If anything else happens to me or anybody else in my life, I can't control that. Now, I can control it if I'm doing things that aren't 
uh, that are permissible but aren't beneficial, and I continue to do those things, then I'm going to uh, see those issues. But those things come up so that we can see it and we can recognize, okay, I've got more in my subconscious that I've got to dig into, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig it up and I'm going to get to it. But I had this thought earlier that this pledge of a good conscience, it's a verbal contract. When you vow something, when you pledge something, it is a verbal contract. And a contract is binding. That's a fact of it. And if you pledge something to God, then you better make sure that you're doing absolutely everything that you can to make sure that you're fulfilling that pledge. The key is, is the reason it's, it's a problem for people is because we open our mouth and pledge and make promises that we, we are obligated to. We feel like I'm obligated to make this promise to do this thing or to do that thing. But because I'm obligated to it, I'm going to procrastinate in it. And because I procrastinate in it, it's going to take forever to get it done. And if I I take forever to get it done, when I said I'm going to do it in this period of time, I become untrustworthy. And so I want to be trusted. Then when I make a vow, before I make a vow, go through the process. Okay, I want to promise Sean this thing. Do I have the time? Do I have the availability? Do I want to do it? Okay, now I'm going to make that pledge. But if you make a pledge out of obligation to somebody, that is the one that will probably be either not fulfilled or it will be procrastinated because, well, I really didn't want to do it, but I didn't want to say no, or I didn't want to tell somebody that I couldn't help them. So, well, I can't do it today, but uh, I'll help you next weekend. And then next weekend comes, you've got plans. Somebody made plans for you and well, I'll do it. We'll do it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow may never come for you because the objective goal is make a promise, fulfill it. If you keep putting things off till tomorrow, what if you die in your sleep? How many pledges, how many vows did you make that day for the next day that you're not going to fulfill because you're not capable because you're dead? And so this gives us another clue that if you make a pledge to somebody, don't make it for the future. Make it for today. Now, if you want to say, hey, I might be available on Saturday to help with this project. Okay. But if you sit there and say, all right, I'm going to be there on Saturday to help you with the project and then work calls and some you had four people call off and now you have to fill those positions and that person you pledged to, they're standing there like, well, you told me you were going to help. In reality, if you promised that, then you should have told the people at work that, hey, I made this promise and I'm, I'm doing this first. If I have time when I'm done with this, 
Then I will come over and come to work and do these things. Why? Because I made a pledge that I was going to do that. What happens if you make a double pledge? You, you make a promise to one person, hey, can you help me on Saturday? Somebody comes to you on Monday and, hey, can you help me on Saturday? And then Thursday comes along and somebody else comes along. Hey, can you help me on Saturday? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then what happens? You Well, you go to one and forget the other. And then the other person's like, what do you, you told me on Monday that you, oh, I forgot. Well, that's an excuse, but God doesn't accept excuses. That's why when he created everything, when they created everything, they created it in such a way that man is without excuse. So that don't use excuses. You have, if, if somebody asks you for an explanation, you can give an explanation, but don't give an excuse. And an excuse, you'll know it's an excuse if it's coming out of your mouth because you're trying to justify yourself. If somebody asks you and you explain to them, hey, look, I promised you I was going to do that, and somebody else asked me, I forgot about it, but that's no excuse. I should have remembered. I should have wrote it down. I should have set an alarm, whatever it was. It's my fault. I'll, I'll, if I promise you again, I'll make the, uh, you know, do the best I can to make sure that I don't do it. God is not one who's going to sit there and say, well, you know, Sean, he really didn't mean it. He's just, God knows when you mean it. God knows when you mean it and they know when you don't because your actions will show. If you mean a pledge you make to God, you will instantly start working on that pledge. But if you're just making a pledge that you don't intend to fulfill, then you'll make excuses for why you're, why you're not, you know, you pledge, well, I'm going to read my Bible every day, or I'm going to read my Bible once a week, or I'm going to read my Bible every time before I go to bed, or when I get up in the morning. You make those pledges, who are you making those pledges to? If you're making it to yourself, why, why, would, why do you have to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible? Or are you trying to convince God that you're going to do these things? And it's better that you just have it in your mind. Well, I'm going to do my best to, to read my Bible more often. And then do your best to read your Bible more often. It's not an issue, but we don't understand how many pledges we make and how many pledges we break because we don't listen to ourselves when we talk. We don't evaluate, am I doing this for this person because I want, because I want to? Or am I doing it because I'm obligated? And a lot of times you don't recognize that the obligation will come from your lower conscience and you'll just do a knee-jerk answer. Yeah, I'll help you. Without doing an evaluation, well, what about the thing that your wife had planned for the weekend that now you made a pledge to somebody that you were going to help them and you're stuck because of the lack of thought process. And God doesn't God doesn't care. They do, but meaning they're not going to be like, oh my gosh, Shawnee made this pledge and I just, I really just want him to fulfill that pledge. And it's like, no, God's going to be like, 
You made that pledge. I'll be waiting for you to fulfill it. It's on. You, you, you haven't done it yet. What, what, what's the holdup? <clears throat> and so it, it is important <clears throat> to recognize that when you promise anybody anything, that you've already evaluated it. You make sure that you want to do it first. And then you make sure you have the time to do it. And you make sure that there's nothing else planned. And you make sure that it's going to get done before you open your mouth and say, yes, I'll do it. But how many times have we in the past just out of obligation in a quick split second without doing that evaluation? Yeah, I'll help you. And then a couple days later, well, I, you know, I really don't want to help Sean, but I'll just call him and tell him something came up. I can't, I can't make it. That, well, that's an excuse, right? I can't make it. Hey, I told you I was going to help you, but I can't make it. That's an excuse. That, that is absolutely an excuse. Rather than, hey, I didn't realize I had something else planned. I double booked. Would you be okay with moving it to another time, moving it to another date? But you won't have that problem if you take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah. This is, this is just another reason for that scripture that told us, take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah. Because if it's not submissive to Messiah, then you shouldn't be speaking it anyway, and you shouldn't be doing it. And therefore, take time. Don't, you're better to take time and to not give somebody an answer than for you to give them an answer that you're not going to fulfill. Because one, they may not like the fact that you didn't give them an answer, but they're going to hate it even more when you give them an answer and then you don't fulfill the promise that you made to them. So choose the lesser, the one that's not going to be a big problem. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to help you, so you can't be mad at me because I didn't answer. But if I answer and I don't do it, now you can be mad at me. So really just want to encourage people who are seeking God with all of their heart to make sure that don't make any pledges to help anybody or to do anything if it's out of obligation. Now I get it. You're at work and there are things that you have to do in accordance with your job. Well, there's a fix to that. You make sure that you enjoy your job and therefore it doesn't matter what comes up. You won't be obligated to it. You'll be happy to do it because, well, I get paid to be here and this is something I'm told to do. So that's what I'm going to do. And it took me a long time to get to that point of having that when I was uh, working for somebody else. And it was not an easy thing. But then when I started to recognize it, I was like, wow, this makes life a whole lot easier because I'm not complaining. I'm not fighting against anything. I'm just, uh, all right, you want me to do that? All right, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. And you don't have to make pledges. Hey, can you paint this wall? Yeah, I'll get to it as soon as I can. Or can you do this? You know, 
yes, I'm in the middle of this project or I can't, I don't have the time to get to it today, but I, I can do it tomorrow unless you have somebody else that could do it uh, if you need it done quicker. But we want to make sure that we're taking thoughts captive, that we're not making promises. We're not writing checks with our mouth that our butt can't cash because we do that more often than we realize. And we promise people things more often than we should instead of, let me evaluate. Don't do things to the best of your ability out of obligation, especially you're going to do it pre-circumcision of the heart, but after circumcision of the heart, there's no need for it. You do it because you want to do it or don't do it at all. And obviously if God asks you to do something that takes precedence. And so be careful what pledges you make to somebody because God may have a plan that well, I want you to go speak to this person. And so, well, that's the same day that I'm supposed to help Sean. Well, well I'm going to do what God said. Well, I shouldn't have made that pledge or I should have verified with God. Hey, God, is there any reason I shouldn't make this vow or this pledge to help this person to do this? And God will say yes or no. And then you act accordingly with it. The biggest thing is you're not, you're still going to make promises without realizing it. The key is, is that we start to recognize it. We start to increase and get better at not making those promises and just live your life. And if somebody needs help and you want to help them, just help them. And they don't have to ask, but there's a balance in that because this isn't you just go help everybody because sometimes people don't want your help. And if they don't want your help, okay, I'm okay with that. I'll back off. So there's, there is a balance in it, but some good stuff to look into. I had two scriptures come to mind in regards to this. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament when Abba appeared before the Israelites on Israelites on Mount Sinai and they were seeing the thunder and the lightning and the smoke and all that. And they said, we'll do whatever you say. And Yah's not looking at them like, Oh, look at that. Oh, great. It's, did you just say that you're going to do everything that we say? Did you just make a vow? And well, just please just, just stop just speak through Moses. So we, we just, please just, we can't bear it. But they said, we'll do everything that you say. So y'all wasn't like, oh, they didn't mean that, so I'm not going to hold them to that. No, you just said that you will fulfill my covenant. But see, the beauty of Yah is they knew that they were in flesh, that they knew they were corruptible, that that would happen. So they already had a plan in place that they know that our son is going to come to redeem them from you breaking the covenant. And it wasn't like y'all was just like, oh, watch this, they're going to. No, but just the terror of God was to drive them to repent to God, to to fear them so that they would obey God. But Yes, please stop. Don't don't speak anymore. We'll do whatever you say. Okay. You just you just made a pledge to do that. And the other one was with Paul and King Agrippa. Well, you almost convinced me, Paul, to be a believer. 
Well, King Agrippa, short time or long, it wasn't, no, come on, say this prayer. Come on, go ahead and give your life to God, because if you don't, then you, you, you'll end up in hell. And no, short time or long, it doesn't matter that you just, you come to it through evaluation. So King Agrippa, take this truth and evaluate it, and you come to a conclusion in your mind, don't rush it. It's one of those things where be live in the balance, don't delay, but don't rush into a decision, but don't just wait around for something to happen that be diligent about it because this information, it takes time to do these things, to set your mind, to get it into your heart ultimately. And it takes work to do these things. It's not going to be an overnight fix with repentance, obedience, and trust. I mean, it, it took us a while. Now we had to learn the fundamentals of this, learn the truth of it so that we can teach others um, because of the understanding that we've received. But this isn't a just overnight, you just make a flippant decision and everything is great and everything is in order. No, it takes time. And it's important that you we understand in regards to Yah with making promises that whatever promise you make, just make sure that you're able to fulfill what you say. That's really the main thing is, like, and you had mentioned this, just if you're going to do something, just do it. But what we do is we want to be pleasing to people. And we want to get acceptance from people. So I'll just say, I'll do it so that you'll accept me. And no, don't do it because somebody's going to accept you. If you make a vow for something, do it because it's right, fair, and just. Don't do it because you have an emotion about it and you want to, hey, look, see, I'm going to do it and and I'll gain your trust, but then you don't do it. And then you wonder why people don't trust you or call you back. And well, because you don't do what you said you were going to do. Why would I call you again? It's the person that's going to do what they promised to do that, I will give you my trust and therefore that I will call you again to do things because I've, I've seen that you're willing to do what you, what you say you're going to do. And this is just a huge aspect of the faith journey is that this is not a quick and easy one-time decision faith. That's what the world says. You just make this one decision. Now we have to make decisions, but the aspect is a circular mindset. It's a continual growing and learning expansion. It doesn't stop. And that's why we're revisiting baptism again, because baptism is a crucial part of faith. It's the fullness of the immersion into Yah, where once you have that, you don't leave it. You never leave the faith. And it would be just like if you were a fish and you're in the water and they take you out of water where you're going to die. The fish has to be in the water to live. It gets its oxygen from the water. But how many people... And I'm sure there's, there could be people out there that weren't even aware that in the word of God, it talks about making a pledge with good knowledge, but make sure that the knowledge that if somebody is giving you information, make sure weigh it against the word of God, make sure that it is the word of God that, that we're speaking and, and with us as well, go to the word of God, go to first Peter, go to Acts chapter two. We have a the circumstance where mother came at Pentecost. And they had a room filled with devout Jews, meaning devout Jews that knew the law of God. They knew the terror of God. And having this experience where mother came and people spoke in tongues with tongues of fire and Peter talking to them, telling them that they're the ones that killed the son of God, that clearly before you, he was the one spoken of and you killed him. And many said to Peter, what must we do? And Peter told them, except the Lord Messiah is Lord and Savior. No. He said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Yeshua Messiah for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
you'll receive circumcision of the heart. Well, remission means that the removal of sin, that sin by circumcision of the heart is taken from you, but you've got to repent. So he's taking you back to the gospel message, repent, be baptized, be immersed. And even further along in Acts, they had people that came to Paul and they said, we had not heard that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he laid hands upon them and they received the spirit that those that had a full commitment to Messiah got the circumcision of the heart. And it talks about with Peter that with many other things that he pleaded with them to get away from the corrupt things in the world. So it wasn't that Peter was just sitting there, yeah, make this quick decision and and therefore you're done. And that's what Yah is bringing out with this podcast is we're giving information and we're speaking about our experience in it and what we've been learning from Yah in regards to their truth. But it's up to each person listening to this that don't just sit there and say, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Pledge of a good conscience. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, but you've got to understand, go back and look at First Peter and look what Peter is talking about in his letter. He's talking about the, the baptism. And if you've been baptized in a church, when you went into the water, did you have a conversation with the pastor that said, do you realize that when you're doing this, that you are pledging full commitment to God and repentance towards them, that you're turning from sin and that you are never returning to the life of sin and that this is for the forgiveness of sins, but it's for you to move on to have circumcision of the heart. Is that what you were told or were you told, well, yeah, you to for you to be a member of this church, you go into the water and you make a, a pledge that you're going to be a member and you're going to obey God? Well, and only each person can evaluate that, but did you have a conversation about why am I getting baptized? Is it because I really want to? Do I feel obligated because somebody is saying, hey, you need to go up there. It's time for you to be a Christian. Do you really know what you were doing? Because I'll speak for me when I was younger that I had a baptism. I, I was immersed in water, but I had no knowledge of the truth of God. I had no knowledge of repentance towards Abba. I had no knowledge of that. I just thought, it, well, this is what you do as a believer. And even my parents saying, hey, you need to go up there. It, it's good for you to do this. And I wasn't thinking about getting away from sin, anything like that. And yes, I went into the water and came out, but I didn't have the an actual baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Now that came later, but this is just information, again, for those that are really seeking after this, that realize that either one, I'm really wanting to seek God with all my heart and I'm going to do it, or you come from a Christian background where you're just, you're seeing that things just aren't lining up. Things just aren't going according to the word that I'm reading. I'm seeing my life isn't lining up and it's to take this information as a guide to go to the word and see and read about the aspect in first Peter and acts two thirty eight, And you look it up and you read it and you make the evaluation. Is this what the word of God says? Not because somebody told me on a podcast or I saw in my church or somebody said to do this, you go to God and talk to them about it to make sure that this is the truth. Because if it's not the truth of God, then it's nothing that I want to speak. I mean, I speak what I know, but what I know has been taught by God to me. I wasn't taught this by any man and feel the same for you. So this is just another aspect of another threefold aspect of an each immersion, which is the, the one baptism that there is a pledge to God in it. And the point of it is for you to have good knowledge, not all knowledge of it, but good knowledge to where I have enough information to be able to make a sensible, logical decision that this is the life I want. I, with everything, 
I want to get away from sin and I want to do the will of God. And that's what I'm going to do. And God teach me and show me. All right. I'll do that. And then as God shows me, I'll continue to walk in that repentance and make changes. And as I go to Messiah and I walk in obedience to God from the heart, that's the goal that I want to be obedient from the core of who I am. And what, what I find very interesting about this is that the reason that you can only be brought to Messiah by Abba is because if you don't repent to Abba and turn to them and pledge that you're going to get away from the, the sinful life and to walk in their ways, then you're not going to be able to be helped by, by Yeshua because the spirit of Messiah, Yeshua, is obedience no matter what. So if you don't have an aspect of turning to Abba to get away from sin and to find out their ways, Abba's ways, then Messiah is not going to be able to help you because why are you coming to me when you're not even, you haven't even turned to my father yet. So I can't help you here because you've got to learn to be obedient to my father by attempting to keep the law. And then once you realize that you can't, then I'll help you in the aspect of obedience by the spirit of it. So just another, this just another, I'm, I'm glad this came to mind because I had several things come to mind and really it was the vow part, but then I was like, wow, that we have a, a description in the word of God about making a pledge. So there is no, as we said, many people say there's a contradiction where it says, be careful when you make a vow to the Lord. It doesn't say don't make a vow. It just says, be careful because it will be demanded of you. So if you plan on fulfilling it, then it shouldn't be any issue for somebody to demand it of you because you want to do it. So it's not a, oh my gosh, now I have to fulfill this. No, I really want to do it. Well, and I think it, I deem this necessary to make a clarification on this aspect of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay. Now, if we're talking about Messiah, that's one thing. Okay. The, when we talk about this aspect that Christianity teaches that, well, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay. One, the Jesus that they're teaching you is not the Messiah of the Bible. Okay. Because the Messiah of the Bible, the son of God of the Bible will not allow you to continue in sin. Once you've escaped from sin, they, they, they will not, he will not allow you to do that. But yet Christianity lets you continue to sin. And the whole objective is, well, I accepted Jesus as Lord and savior. So I have this faith and it's locked in and it's done. There's nothing I have to do. It's over. Uh, it's important that the aspect, and we've said that the accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is not the way to salvation. Well, yes and no. Okay. Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Jesus that's being taught in Christianity that is, does not line up with the Messiah of the Bible, then yes, that will not get you salvation. But you're, you have to have a point where you accept Messiah as Lord and Savior. But this came up because I was thinking back to 1998 when I first, uh, I'd been raised Catholic, so you're you're baptized as a baby. There's no aspect of a decision that you make. You're baptized, and they bring you up to a confirmation, and uh, <clears throat> which doesn't line up with the way that it's supposed to happen anyway. Because baptism is supposed to be 
uh, repentance, which is your choice, your ability to do that. And a young kid doesn't have that ability. But in 1998, I had made that pledge in a church that I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay. Well, what I didn't know was I did accept Messiah as Lord and Savior because it was from that point forward. Whenever I would see something that didn't line up with the truth of God, I always went with the truth of God and set aside the other because I meant the pledge that I made. I meant when I said I accepted him as Lord and Savior, I meant that. But it took me a a good many years to actually come around to fulfilling that vow and that pledge because if you accept Messiah as Lord, that means you make him Lord of your life. That means when things come up that you see that you're not living in accordance with that, no, he's the Lord. He says, live this way. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure it out. So you keep on uh, seeking in that journey to do that. Uh, because the true, the true aspect of accepting Messiah as Savior, first, you have to go through Abba anyway. So when I did that in 1998, I didn't even understand that I, was, I had to go through Abba before I would be introduced to Messiah. So I didn't really accept him at that point. But I meant that I was seeking this out. And then I remember my prayers were not to Messiah. They were to Abba. And my crying out was to Abba. And the the recognition of what I'd done uh, was to Abba. And then it was later on that he then brought me to Messiah. And then I was able to learn the obedience and then move to learning the trust. And so was that somebody tried to call in? Or? It was Josh. Oh. But I don't know if we can, if he could call in again, we can answer. As far as I know, unless we have to hook something up. We can certainly give it a try. Give it a try. So, Josh, it says you're listening, brother. Call in, call in again. Maybe he's attempting to call. Well, we'll see if it if it pops back up. We'll... Um, We'll see if we can get it on there. Um, I know that's a good point you make because I wasn't thinking about that, that that you had the spirit of Messiah within you because I, I wanted, because I remember even we had talked about this, that I thought, well, I just, I knew from, I just wanted to do what is right. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to take advantage of people. I want to treat people fairly. Well, that's, that's the way the, the spirit of repentance and obedience that you want to do what is right and you do what is right, you'll be accepted. And the word also says that if you, the eyes of the Lord go back and forth across the entire earth, seeking to strengthen the heart that's fully committed. So with you having that mindset of, no, I'm, no, this is, I'm going after this with everything. And Abba sees that. Okay. Well, I'll come and visit you. I talk with you, things like that. And then you'll have an opportunity. Cause I even remember when we started the prayer time that we would actually end. Oh, here it comes. Or he's a, You guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're live. 
So just wanted to call in. You guys were talking about the whole aspect about accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And Phil, I know you spoke about something that you did when you were younger, you know, years ago. Scripture popped into my mind when Yusha is sitting at the Last Supper. And he says, this is the covenant. Will you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood? That covenant made is, have you seen the life that I've lived? Are you willing to bond your life to that style of living? Are you willing to do what I've done? Are you willing to live the way that I've lived? And that last supper was a bond he made with everyone sitting at that table. And by them eating and drinking with him, they made that bond with him. And the bond was, I won't drink of this again until I'm in the kingdom. And then living that lifestyle out is what we are called to do when you pledge your life to Messiah, to accept the life that Messiah lived and make your life match that, that you are going to embody every bit of what Messiah did to the best of your ability. That is the covenant of accepting his life as my identity now. That is who I'm going to be for the rest of eternity with my life. And that was just something that came to me. The scripture came to me and never called in before, so thought it was something cool to try. Yeah, we I've not been here since we took a call, but it sounds really good. I mean, other than just a little bit of background noise, it, it sounds really clear. So awesome. you're driving? Well, yeah, I am. I'm driving back from Richmond. And I've okay. been listening to you guys, and that came up. I said, okay, well, it's an awesome opportunity. Well, what's interesting about that, it's the Last Supper with him on earth, but it's not the Last Supper, that the marriage supper of the Lamb when all those that are in him are joined together and can have that, that great banquet where all those that have found faith in him that are dressed in white because sin has been taken away, that we can be joined to him and have that big celebration just like him saying that, you know, I'm not going to drink of this wine again until the kingdom. Yeah, because the wine is best over time, kept for the future to where that wine can come out and be enjoyed by everybody in the kingdom after such a long time that that aged wine over time is just such a, what a great time to celebrate and be together. So glad you called in. Yeah, thank you guys. That's all, that's all I had for right now. Just wanted to call in and share. All right. Phil, that's really cool because I, I didn't know how that would work out because we had thought about it before, but that sounded really clear. So if somebody would want to call in for a question, we could definitely answer questions. You know, we're not going to be shy and, and get, you know, uh, avoid any kind of question. Yeah, well, it was only a matter of time before we were going to start taking calls, and that was just a good opportunity to try that out. And I guess how to, and he's not connected, but how do you, call in on here do you just like click make a call in podbean i've never done that it's on the uh, app when you're listening in there's a call in button okay and you hit the call in button and then we have to hit invite oh i see and then once we hit invite then uh then they accept on their end and then they come in and then from our end we can dismiss it we can uh we can mute them uh you know just for the odd case, we get somebody who's ranting about uh, just nonsense stuff. We can 
we can mute that and, and disconnect if we have to, but that's not the objective goal. But anyway, yeah, that, uh, well, and the point is that the, the point of this is, is it, it is to be interactive and it's not just for me and you to be interactive on this and everybody to listen. It's that people that are listening in, you have, you're evaluating the information, you have something come to mind and you have a question and you're not wanting to be argumentative or anything. You really want to know the answer. And it might be something that we'll say, well, right now we're not going to answer it. That's something for the future. Or yes, we'll go ahead and talk about that. Now we just talked about this or that, but these are, this information is just so important because it gives people an opportunity to not make a decision out of emotion, not feel, well, I got to rush this because if I don't do this now, I'm going to end up in hell. I got to do it right now. But then you don't even realize what you're getting into as opposed to, the best way to have any time to evaluate is to seek God with all your heart. That's the best way to get yourself on the journey where God will give you time. But if you don't do that, then how can Yah strengthen you if you're not fully committed to them? You've got to set it in your mind that you're going to seek with all your heart and you keep practicing that and you seek out the truth. And Yah, in their fairness, and they see if somebody is fully committed to them, they will give them the time necessary to find the fullness of faith. And if that takes a year, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever, don't the, the key in this is don't delay making a decision. Like for example, don't delay. Well, I just, I better think this all the way through and figure it all out before I make a decision. No, it's just, if it comes to mind and you really, you make a decision, not out of emotion, but you know what, this is true and fair. I'm going to go after this with everything then set your mind to do it, but have it in your mind that you're going to fulfill it the best you can. Don't just haphazardly say, well, I'm going to do this. And then nothing else happens. Cause we were, we came from the aspect of, uh, from the Christian church. And we found that there was much more to it. And it took, we were actually still going there a few years before y'all actually called us to actually start this church. And we've been doing this going on. This is 13 years going forward. And we're not focused on the number of people. It's just focused on the knowledge and information that were given by Yah that it's not about the numbers of people. It's about the truth of God and being able to apply it to our lives and live it. And we're even told from the word that very few people will actually find this faith. It's a lot smaller number than you think it is. It's not, you know, this huge number. And Phil, I thought about this. I don't know the answer to how many promises God has made, but they don't haphazardly make a promise to somebody or to, to a group of people. They know what they're doing because from what's coming to mind about Yah making a pledge when they said, never again, will I flood the earth with water? And how many thousands of years ago is that? And has Yah flooded the earth with water at that time? Because after the scripture that after the rain, the promise that never again will I flood the earth like this has happened. Well, and Yah hasn't done that. And they're not slow to keep their promise as people think that, well, Yah is just slow and they're not going to fulfill it. No, that they are not slow in it. They have a timing just like that. Abba is going to be just on time when he says, okay, my son return because there's nobody else right now that's seeking after this faith. It's not that he's just waiting around watching a clock. It's just, they're very diligent looking and searching. And when that time happens, it's not going to be, all right, we'll wait two hours before you go. It's like, now's the time. And he comes back right on time. So with this aspect, it's just so important for those listening out there is that 
we're not saying to just delay making any kind of decision for God, but think this through and weigh the cost of Messiah said it himself. If you are not willing to leave father, mother, sister, brother, then you're not worthy of me. And Abraham is referred to as the father of this faith. And Abraham was willing to leave his country and go out to a place that he didn't know where he was going, but he trusted in God. And even Yah called him a friend because of his repentance and obedience and trust. And Abraham is referred to as the father of faith. And Yah is the one that gave Abraham the promises, but he gave them to Abraham and he gave them to his seed. And that seed is Messiah. So those in him are children of Abraham. They are a part of the promise. And that's where we find our salvation is that it's in, we have salvation and the promise that was given to Abraham, but it's to Abraham and his seed, not seeds, but seed. So we are included in Messiah. We are a part of the promises of God that all of those of your offspring will be blessed. And the reason that we're blessed is because in Messiah, it is all blessings for us. There are no more curses unless we were to choose to go back to the old lifestyle of disobedience, which we're not going to. And so I'm going to bring out a very good example of what it looks like to pledge with good knowledge. And we have a uh, original Testament aspect that was spoken that shows you a pledge with good knowledge. And it was Ruth to Naomi, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. The, your God will be my God. I, I, this is my, my vow. And, and what did she do? She fulfilled it. She did exactly what she said she was going to do. And so that's a, a beautiful example of what it looks like to make a pledge with good knowledge because she knew Ruth knew she didn't want to do any the other the, the other I uh, daughter-in-law went ahead and, and left and went back to her people and not, not putting her down for it but Ruth showed that pledge of a good conscience towards Naomi when she told her that whatever you do, that's what I'm doing. Where, wherever you go, wherever you stay, whatever your God is, that's my God. What, and, and she fulfilled that. She did exactly what she said she was going to do. So she made that vow to Naomi and she fulfilled it. She didn't let it go where the other one wasn't at fault either because she didn't make a vow and then turn around and leave. No, she decided she was going to part and go back to her people. Okay. No, no harm, no foul in the midst of that. So just I thought that was a that came to mind as a good example of what a pledge with good knowledge looks like. Uh, here's another one that just came to mind. Messiah in the garden. You know, this is a heavy weight, but not my will, but yours be done. Why? Because he knew that he had that knowledge that God had the power and God was going to raise him from the dead, and it was all about his will anyway. And that statement in the garden was more for us than it was for him. 
because he was showing you that there is no other way, that it had to be Messiah and through Messiah in order to uh, figure that out. Do you remember this story? Is it Rachel and Jacob that he waited? I just can't remember how many years that he wanted to marry Rachel, that he was willing to wait or make a pledge or something to to wait that long, maybe to Laban was the father. I don't know if you remember this or not, but yeah, there's there's the many different stories. I remember this with go where it is with Jonathan and the armor bearer. Whatever you have in mind to do, I'm with you heart and soul. Well, that that's a a, a pledge that I'm not going to leave your your side. That I'm going to do everything I can to to not leave your side. And it came to mind when you make that vow to God that Yah will vow to you that I will never leave you nor forsake you because is Yah going to sit there and go, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm leaving you. But here's the thing. They will never leave you nor forsake you. But if you forsake them and leave them, then you'll be driven away, but they will not do that unless you do something that would cause them to where they would have to, to where you blaspheme mother, then, then you actually left yourself. We didn't leave you. You left us. Right. That's really how it works. So yes, that's, I was just like, wait a minute. Yah's not going to go against what they, what they said. Yeah. Cause it, like, it would be like this year we're in the grace of God that God's in here and God says, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, but you're going to leave and go out the door. Well, I'm not going to leave you, but if you leave, then no, I'm not, not coming back. Not going to go back, but <clears throat> just thinking back how we start with this is that make sure that when promises are made to anybody, we're not saying that you don't make a promise, but the most important thing is that any kind of promise made to God, that make sure that you plan on fulfilling it. And because y'all will demand it of you now, we don't know how or when they'll demand it, that, that that's in their hands, whatever they do there. But the thing is, don't test God and put yourself in a position, well, are they going to demand it of me or, or would they do something? Well, don't even don't even go on that to where Yah says, this is what we want. Well, what would happen if we don't 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 even entertain what could happen? Just do what Yah says. That, that's the safest place to be. Don't tiptoe on the other side of the water to, well, would Yah really? Yeah, Yah really would. So don't don't test God because that's the thing. Don't don't test God to see, well, are they really going to do something? They didn't say they would do anything. Well, then what they're seeing is, are you going to do what we say? Or are you going to be thinking about what could happen? Well, don't get in a place where you do the what could happen. Because for me, I don't want to be on that side or even go there. Right. We live in a society that views God as a softy, as someone who's going to let you get away with something who's who's one that's going to continue to I uh, say don't do that no I said don't do that no hey do it one more time no no do it one more no God God but we live in a society where people don't have the fear of God and they don't understand God to be a terror and therefore they are so deceived by the enemy that when they see God as a terror, when they perish from this earth, or if they're here when Messiah returns, it's going to be sheer terror because there is no escaping and getting away from that concept that God is the same today as they were in the Old Testament. 
why do we keep trying to remove the terror of God to make him soft? Well, if we do that, then, well, I can be okay. I can sin, and and God understands. They, they, they know that, well, I'm not their son, so I can't. They understand. No. Yeah, they Bottom line, if you sin, you go to hell. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Messiah, but the wages of sin is death. And if you sin, it's death. That, that's a fact. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter what you profess with your mouth as far as God. If you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. You cannot have the glory of God if you still have sin in your life. And it's not something that goes away when you die. It's something that goes away, well, when you die to self. Uh, but when you physically die, it's locked in wherever you were. And if you die a sinner, then you will get the sinner's punishment. If you die righteous, then you will get the righteous man's reward. It's hugely important. But how, how do we get people to see that God is the same as they were in the Old Testament when they were smiting and killing men, women, and children. And if you didn't obey God, you got the punishment for it. That's a because they're the same today. But somehow we think that Messiah just switched and flipped all of that around. No, Messiah gives you the ability by you living his life, you walking as he did, to do the very same thing that he did he lived without sin. You can live without sin. You must be able to, if the Bible says those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. And if you profess that to be the truth, then he did not sin. So you have to find that place of no sin. Now, that doesn't mean that you haven't sinned. All of us have sinned and we did fall short of the glory of God. But those who find circumcision of the heart through faith, through the gospel message, then we fulfill the glory of God. So sin, you fall short of it. Righteousness, you fulfill the glory of God. And if you can honestly say that you sin at any degree, any point, the wages of sin is death. That Anybody who sins falls short of the glory of God. But how, and I, and I know it's just people have to have the fear of the Lord first because that's what Proverbs says. That's the beginning of wisdom, and they have to have the fear of the Lord. But we live in a society where the fear of the Lord has just been kind of done away with, and it's the work of the enemy that has, over time, corrupted people to continually change little bits and pieces of the message to get it to where, well, God's okay with if you sin. You just accept him as Lord and Savior. Once saved, always saved. You have it. It's done. You don't have to worry about it. Well, you always go back to questioning in your mind, 
well, I, I know I'm not supposed to, you, you know, you're not supposed to do these things. Well, when are you going to see God as a terror and feel the weight of carrying that cross so much that you cannot carry it anymore? You, you actually are, are in despair to the point of shedding blood. Uh, you're in despair to the point that you will do anything and everything to make a change. And that anything and everything is for you to sacrifice, for you to uh, put to death anything that's of you and make it of God. And yes, we're going to have over time working through the lower conscience to continually work on getting rid of those things. But you have to get to the point where, like the saying is, the straw that broke the camel's back, spiritually, your camel's back has to be broken, and you have to carry the load until it's an impossibility for you to carry it anymore, and then you cry out to Abba for the help. And they will not, if they think you can carry it more, they will not step in because you have to be at your wit's end at the end of it to for them to step in and say, okay, now, now we can see that you've surrendered your life completely to us in repentance. Okay, now let me introduce you to Messiah, and you start walking in the aspect of obedience, which that aspect is the fire baptism because you have the water baptism, you have the fire baptism, and you have the spirit baptism, okay? And that's each one of the steps. The water baptism is the, the one with uh, Abba, but we know that there are two more immersions that come because John the Baptist had said that I baptize you with water for repentance. I'm, I'm baptizing you for an introduction to the Father, but one is coming which is Messiah who will baptize you with spirit and fire. Well, the fire is the fiery trials that you're going to go through to see if you're going to continually obey God and not worry about what the world says. And then when you do that, then he brings you to mother where you learn the trust aspect. And then you get that immersion into mother, which is the baptism of the spirit, which gives you the circumcision of the heart, the removal of the sinful nature out of your heart, put on the body of flesh. Now mother can dwell in your heart because the sinful nature is gone. And until sin is gone from your heart, all sin must be gone from your heart. Mother cannot dwell there. Mother can come upon people who are sinners and mother has and will work through anybody and everybody that she wants to in order to, to fulfill the purpose of God. Whether they're going to be in the kingdom or not, that'll be determined by what they choose to do in a repentance, obedience, and trust perspective with God. And so we do have those uh, aspects of you have the pledge of repentance towards Abba, then you have the pledge of obedience with Messiah and the pledge of trust with mother. So you have a threefold pledge of a good conscience so that when you have all three of those, you have the fullness of that 
pledge of a good conscience that then allows you to have that circumcision of the heart. It allows you to have that place of not sinning. And uh, when you're in that place, you'll recognize it. Now you have to read through the New Testament where it says, in him, this is what you have. And then you'll start seeing that, wow, I do have that. I do have confidence. I, I, I am more than a conqueror. And I'm not just saying that. I know I am. And I don't have a guilty conscience about sin. So if I don't have a guilty conscience, then I don't have sin. And just going through that whole process of learning and understanding. Uh, but it's all, it all does boil down to you have to, I mean, even to seek with all of your heart has to be done in the concept of a pledge of a contract that this is what I'm doing and I'm never turning back from it. I will seek God with all of my heart until I die. And then when I get in the kingdom, I'm still going to seek with all of my heart. And the same thing, then that carries you to the repentance. And then that carries you to the obedience. And then that carries you to the trust. And then you have circumcision of the heart where you get to truly experience what we experience is to be in a place where you know you don't have sin. We still have workings within our lower conscience that we're continuing to dig up and get rid of, but that's all attached to the body of flesh and it's not in the heart. And therefore we know we have a clear conscience before God. Well, and even at the last day at the great white throne judgment, Yah will say to us, instead of Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these things? And he'll say, I never knew you. Well, he'll say, I know you. Because a pledge with good knowledge, you know all three. And what came to mind was, so Abba is with you heart and soul in repentance. Well, he still stays with you when you go to Messiah. You've seen me. You've seen the Father because the Father's right here. And I'm right here with him. And then your um, Yeshua and Abba are there and Mother is there. And then you have the fullness. And uh, I had this come to mind in the parable of the Good Samaritan giving us a picture of what you had talked about, about you doing everything you can possibly do to carry the weight and repentance. And then because of you getting through all those trials of you fighting against sin, you're just laying there on the side of the road. And who's the one that comes up and picks you up and binds your wounds and carries you to the end? Well, that's Messiah. Okay. Well now I'll, I'll get you up off the road, but now you got some work to do because you got to carry your cross just like I did. But you've got to get to that point where, you can't carry it anymore and you break and you're on that side of the road. And well, and we know how it is with the quote, good Samaritan that it's just referred to as the good Samaritan, but the aspect of coming up and having mercy on the person Messiah has mercy on, on you and then bind your wounds because he sees that why would Messiah, well, he has no, no need for you because you're not broken. You think that you're righteous. Well, I'm just going to keep walking down the road because I don't have any, anything further I can give you until that point. But yeah, do, do we see the theme here of the threes, which are all unified that we've got the three aspects of pledge of a good conscience, the three of the baptism that seeking with all your heart, all these, it, it just, because each aspect of the unity of Yah, that Abba, Ima, and Yeshua, that they, that they have their part, that they, it came to mind that they go through each step that they're with you. And you had mentioned, like, how do we get people to see the terror of God? 
we can't get people to see it. They have to make the decision to seek God with all their heart because the word says, seek for me and you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart that you will be found by God and you will see Abba as a terror. And anybody out there listening, if you like listening to music, and I don't know if anybody would, well, a lot of people will know this song, but if you want to listen to a song that you can think of from a spiritual aspect of what it would be like for Abba the Father to see him as a tear in his mindset, look up the song In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. If you want to listen to a song and just think about Abba being a tear and talking about from the aspect of I saw what you did and you know, you can't hide this from me. So if uh, people that want to listen to music, you want to listen to something to get the idea of what that feeling it in the air tonight, like you could cut the tension with a knife that the terror of God is waiting because the day of the Lord is not mentioned as a happy day. It's mentioned as a dreadful day. And it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's the thing that you don't want to fall into the hands of God as a terror. You want to see God and find them as a terror to surrender completely to them and turn to Abba completely so that you can be proven that you want to do what is right and you're going to do it. And then Yah can be your friend because you do not want to be facing God as a terror on the day of judgment because it will be, it literally will scare you to death uh, is the truth of it. So I think for us, this is a good stopping point. If there's anything further you'd like to add to the, we've got a lot of really good information. I really enjoyed this topic and really getting to talk about the baptism, especially the vows that when you make a vow to the Lord, they will surely demand it of you. Just be careful when you make any kind of promise to anybody that make sure that you have the mindset that you're going to fulfill it. And the whole key in this is the gospel message is about a, a pledge of your life to God and it's not something to take lightly and it's not something to make quickly. It's something to really evaluate and think about, but just realize that the information given here is information to get you to drive you to the word of God and to seek God with all your heart so that you can not, not only just hear this, but gain the knowledge and the understanding of it and wisdom as well. And just real quick, this did come to mind. Uh, yeah. You definitely want to carry it out from a worldly perspective, but definitely from a God, from God, make sure that you're, uh, if you vow something to God, you make sure that you know you're going to fulfill it. And here's the thing, see, because a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I, I, I committed myself to Christ. Well, what that means is that Christ comes first. That means Christ comes first before your family, before your job, before anything else, so that if God says, hey, you're at work right now, but I want you to have a conversation with this person over here, are you going to stop? Well, I, I, I can't do that right now. I'm at work. I got to. No, I, if God asked me to do that, I'm going to do it. I'll let God take care of it. Just, I, I'm, I'm going to do uh, but that's the thing. When you say uh, that you're fully committed to God, then you'll prove it with your life when, no, hey, I, I, I'm going to church or, or I'm doing this thing and I'm not letting anything distract me from it because this is what God wants me to do and that's what I'm going to do. So, 
Well, and it came to mind with that, that Yahoo has the ability to, Elisha was fed by ravens. The fact that God threw people into confusion in the battle where they were killing each other, that Yah has the power to take your manager and get them to not even care, not even remember. And again, we're not saying what God would do, but they have the power to do anything to where they'll make it to where it'll work out to where it won't even be any kind of issue. But the thing is to make sure that you do what God says and then therefore they'll take care of it. So Josh, if you're still listening, I really, it was nice to hear from you. Uh, glad that you called in. It was good to talk to you and good to get a live call and, and stuff like that. So we'll end the podcast for tonight and Lord willing, we'll be back on uh, Saturday the next time for our podcast. So hope everybody got a lot out of this podcast and we just ask that y'all will just speak to those that are seeking with all their heart that really want to know the truth. And we will see you on the next podcast. Have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.